Howdy, folks. Tomorrowland Transit Authority Metroliner non-stop now departing Rocket Tower Plaza Station for a round-trip Super Skyway Tour. Hollywood, 1939. Welcome to the WDW Reflections Podcasts with your hosts, Dewey, Ron, and Tony. Here, we love to talk about the Walt Disney World Resort, the way we remember it, how it's changed, and why we still enjoy visiting the most magical place on Earth. We're not experts, but we want to share our unique experiences and memories with you. You may learn some facts you never knew before, and you may return to some of your own memories of the Walt Disney World Resort and we'd love to share these memories together. So come with us on a podcast journey as we reflect on the WDW Reflections Podcast. Please stand clear of the doors. Reflections. Hey, y'all. Welcome to the WDW Reflections Podcast, your unofficial guide through Disney World memories and their connections to the parks we know and love today. I am Dewey, one of your hosts, and this is episode number 26 of the WDW Reflections Podcast. We thank y'all for being here with us. Stick around towards the end of the show for more information on how you can contact us and become involved in the show through social media groups and maybe even be a contributor to future shows. With me today are my podcast travel buddies, Ron and Tony. Coming to us from Tennessee, my good buddy, Ron. How you doing, buddy? Doing good, man. Looking forward to talking Disney today. Hey, that's a great idea. Let's talk about Disney today. <laughs> and coming to us from the Big Apple, my good buddy, Tony G. Hey, Tony, how's it going, man? Uh, 6,000, uh, almost there, actually. I'm putting all my pennies together so I can try to get to uh, to uh, Star Wars uh new thing this was my piggy bank i used to use as a kid to get star wars stuff so now i don't know i might have six thousand in there i don't know I, so six thousand pennies is that what you said there's 6, i'm gonna try pennies. i'm gonna try six thousand pennies to start yeah i'm not good at math that's like what six dollars or six six dollars <laughs> all right well to start uh tony i have bad news for you what a two-day trip on the Galactic Star Cruiser is $6,000, well, not 6,000 pennies. I'll have to keep saving, that's all. Yeah, you're going to be <laughs> see, keep saving. See, it makes me feel a lot better because if I put all the money in there for that and that, and I know that's only going to be for that, no matter what happens with life, I won't feel as bad. <laughs> 6,000 pennies. You're on your way, buddy. All right, that's good stuff. All right, guys, so let's talk about our show schedule moving forward. Uh, you guys, we're going to slightly change the way we uh, distribute our shows. We're going to alter our schedule just a bit. So uh, it may not be the same uh, each month. It may not be the same four episodes every month. So uh, what we say you should probably do is just go like and subscribe to us on your favorite podcast distributor and on YouTube. That way you'll never miss an episode of the WDW Reflections podcast. You, you like and subscribe, you'll receive a notification when we upload something new. So please go and do that for us. 
So this week, Ron has brought something. He's done tons and tons of exhaustive research and put together a good show for us. So we're going to let Ron take control of the podcast today, and he's going to give us a rundown on a topic that we've actually talked about this a few times uh, amongst us, the three of us guys talked about this subject. And um, so it must be interesting if we're talking about it. So uh, Ron, go ahead, take it away, buddy. Hey, thanks, dude. Uh, So it's safe to say that Disneyland and Disney World are two of the cleanest theme parks in the world. Uh, Each day is like a fresh start with polished benches, clean streets, and the smell of vanilla waffling through the air. Um, and I have personal experience of going to other theme parks in the Ohio area and don't get me wrong, they're clean, but they aren't Disney clean. And that is what interested me in, in doing the research that I did and trying to come up with how does Disney differ from other theme parks in the way that they are able to showcase their theme park and it feels fresh every day and one one way obviously is when you're walking in they pipe in smells for you to smell and sometimes if if you didn't know this you would just think it's the bakery or smells coming from that are natural from what they're cooking but in actuality they they pipe smells in to ensure that when they're not cooking you still have that sensation that um main street still actively cooking those co- chocolate chip cookies or whatever and, and, and it, it adds to the atmosphere right and um but with thousands of guests visiting the parks every day and hardly a crew a cleaning crew in sight which i don't know if you guys have noticed but because of my experience in ohio the the status quo is to have trash guys going and emptying trash cans and wheeling that big old bucket with two wheels through the through the theme park and you get some funky smells it's trash you're walking by you or you're standing in line and and so i never experienced that at disney and so i wanted to understand some of that and um so We've got about 15 things that they do that I found interesting. And one is how do they keep um, the Haunted Mansion and other cobweb-ridden attractions to be clean? Because they're, by default, made to look unkept in cobwebs. And one thing they do is ensure that the cast members understand what cobwebs are real and which ones are really which ones are fake so they know not to touch the fake ones and clean the the real ones and they have specific um areas that they are to know how much dust is okay and what how much dust is not okay and so i found that interesting they've also um come up with some cleaning supplies that they've developed themselves to be able to clean these areas the best without killing the atmosphere. So you're you're telling me that Disney cleans the real cobwebs and leaves the the special effects cobwebs. So the, yeah, 
that's according to this source yeah that's pretty amazing I, yeah. I find that I, you would think that'd be like the more cobwebs the better yeah, but, yeah. Uh, that's interesting I like that a lot I, I actually did not know that that's good stuff so then so the Pirates of the Caribbean um Haunted Mansion and I'm sure this is true of of Tower of Terror as well. And that oh so anything that has that look has a special way of cleaning it and special instructions from the the um imagineers to keep it the way that they designed for it to look. I found that really interesting as well. I find that I mean obviously we know that you know the Hollywood Tower Hotel is not you know, from wasn't 1939, you know, we know that, but it definitely looks that way. But I, I honestly, I didn't know that they cleaned the real dirt, but maintain the, the fake dirt or whatever, yeah. you know, that yeah. that's, that's pretty amazing. Yeah. So I've never been to Disneyland and one of Disneyland's tricks is they employ, there's two animals that Disneyland and I think Disney World employs the second um, to keep rodents away. And and um, Tony, I don't know. I think you said that you've been to Disneyland, yeah, right? I have, yes. And I guess out there, it's very common to see cats mm -hmm. in, in Disneyland. And they use the cats to control the rodent population in the parks. And there's been lots of questions of how the cats don't over... Because they're they're feral cats, and so how they don't end up becoming overpopulated, and they have a crew that actually takes care of the cats, and if they find a cat that had a litter, they ensure that cat is then spaded in or whatever you know, and um, um, so they use cats to help control ro the rodent population. And then um, secondly, do you guys have any idea what other animal they would use to control rodents? Uh, I I don't know what Disney uses. I know that snakes eat rodents. I don't know if that, that was what they would employ, but that would be my guess. <laughs> Release <Yeah>. the snakes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've, I've never seen a snake on Disney property, so I don't know if that's what they're using. But um, it makes sense. I know snakes love to eat mice and, and such. Yeah, so. that's exactly who they employ. Seriously? Right. It's snakes, yeah. And, and they're non-poisonous snakes, which the black snake is, the black rat snake is known. as I grew up in the country. And so whenever someone would kill a, a black snake, people would get really, really frustrated with that because they're like, just let me come and get it because it, it really takes care of the rodents and, and other stuff that you don't want around. Um, and so now you won't see them because anytime a snake shows up, they immediately take it where it's not going to be seen by guests. So that's the understanding. And, and so I, th I found both of those situations very interesting that they're using a very natural um, way of taking care of a, an issue that, could become pretty severe. Well, it's two My things. Guess is, that, oh, sorry, go ahead, Tony. No, I was just going to say that, it, first of all, it sounds like a, a new movie, Snakes on a Ride. But, uh, 
but what I find interesting about this too is that uh, not so much California, but Florida is filled with so much natural wildlife that walks around and and uh, can be found in a common backyard that I'm surprised we don't see much more of that while we're out there. Now that you're mentioning the snakes, yeah. it is kind of interesting, especially in the jungle areas. We don't really see any of that. Yeah. I bet you they use them in like uh, Fort Wilderness or something like that. Mm, you know, yeah. there's obviously a lot of Gators wooded there. areas and stuff. Mm. I, I bet you uh, black snakes are probably... Uh, pretty, pretty active around yeah. that area but i haven't been to fort wilderness other than going to hoop you do i haven't been to fort wilderness since i was a kid so you know i haven't been back in the the trails and stuff i haven't stayed in a camper there so a very very long time but i bet that i bet you if you ask people that go to fort wilderness i bet there have been snake sightings black snake sightings at fort wilderness that's cool no, I think you're right. I think that um, snakes naturally tend to be away from large crowds, and 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 so I'm sure they're more prevalent in areas that don't have that, but still effective in in keeping the rodents out of the park and and things. I know it, it was unclear. I know, but I've never seen a cat at, at Disney World. Not at Disney World, but I I have seen photos of the Disney cats, of the Disneyland cats. Um, And I think some people have tried to catch them on video. They're they're pretty friendly. They just stay to themselves. Um, But uh, that is interesting that they use them for that purpose. Well, the reason you haven't seen the cats or the snakes at uh, Walt Disney World is because they use the utilidors. They're yeah. under the park. They do, right. they travel through the. I'm joking. There's no snakes. Yeah, I know. I'm laughing. <laughs> no, but, <yeah. laughs> but there's no snakes in the Magic Kingdom because they're in Utilidor, silly. <laughs> well, if they are, they speak anyway because it's Disney. Yes, absolutely. They possess <laughs> the power of speech. Yeah. This next one actually came from Walt Disney himself. Um, he really did not want the parks littered at all he he, um was very concerned about the parks looking and feeling uh, brand new every morning and so he would watch and survey how far guests would walk before littering and um he even kind of did a uh study and as a result of that every 30 feet is a trash can because it was found that people that are walking within after 30 feet, they have something that they need to get rid of. And so now when you go to Disney and, and what's unique, what I found very interesting is if you're out and about like I am and my car can get pretty trash sometimes and I have to look for a trash can to get rid of stuff. And at Disney, you don't have to look long before you know exactly where the trash can is. And what I find interesting is they're never, they're never a eyesore. They're never overflowing. They're never, um, they're never have an odor to them. They, and they're always readily available. And they're, and they're also very themed usually as well. Yeah. And they're themed. They're not, they're not sticking out like, like a round tub where garbage can, you know, so. Well, I mean, they're even, 
the the trash cans at Disney World or in Disneyland too, I guess, uh, are iconic now. I mean, now you can find their like pens, Disney pens of the trash cans, and uh, you know. So <laughs> I mean, you really can. There, um, there was one that used to talk. Remember? Oh yeah, Push was his name. Push was his name. That's uh, really really cool. I miss him. He's been gone for about 10 years now. But yeah, I mean, the Disney World, the Disney trash cans are really are iconic now. And I love, have you guys noticed, we'll just, this will be really fast. I'm sorry, I'm taking the show run. But have you mm-hmm. noticed um, in Epcot Center now that they're reincorporating all of those old school logos and stuff, the, um, the, there's some like the original Epcot logos are on the new, the trash cans at Epcot and stuff again. So, um, I love the trash cans, love the how iconic they are, and I love that they're putting those old school uh, Epcot Pavilion logos on the the trash cans again. So good stuff. Keep it up, Ron. Yeah, it's um, again. I just find this stuff really interesting, and the neat thing that this didn't where I did anyway. The other neat thing is that you don't see the carts going and emptying the cans is because of what you just mentioned, that that Magic Kingdom is built on a tunnel system. And so they can come out to the trash cans through some some places that you just don't notice by design, and they can empty the trash cans, and the trash is taken outside – of where park guests are at and it can be taken down and disposed of without having to be taken through the entire park to get to the location and that's just something that i think is very cool of how they've designed making sure that they don't take the trash through the whole park now if i'm not mistaken ron did you find this uh i think aren't the trash cans in the magic kingdom there's some sort of they're hooked to like a pneumatic uh, system that that holds. Oh, away. no, I didn't see that I, in my research, but that's very cool. I'm surprised that I didn't find that. I don't know if it's like each. I don't think that it's each trash can is connected to this pneumatic system. I think that there is a system under in the utilidors that actually whisks it away from the magic kingdom to a, a trash facility I, I don't believe that it's well, that's like true yes it, it does okay and that there's a system in the the below that does that but i now that you said that it does seem like not during this research that i had read that um the trash cans emptied from below though because they did sit on that um yeah, I, I system, but I didn't read that this time, so I don't yes. know. Probably, probably not the case that every every yeah. trash can is connected, but I think that it's a it's a large system that whisks it away from underneath the, the park. Yeah, this one surprised me to be honest. Um, I'm sure you guys know that there are people that. Um, when they die, they they want their ashes spread at Disney, and that's very, I guess, extremely common. And what surprised me is that Disney each night 
if they have seen someone um, spread ashes, they, they vacuum them up because they don't want it to get so cluttered, dirty with it. And, it, <laughs> yeah. and it happens a lot, I guess. So especially on attractions. Now, I'm sure that if you're spreading them by the lagoon or something, that's probably not, uh, they don't really worry about that. But if you're putting ashes on a, a ride that your loved one really enjoyed and went in, they they end up vacuuming those. I know that a little bit surprising. That's really really frowned upon. They uh, and if if they witness you do it or you know, like if they see you preparing to do it, uh, they will stop you. You're not supposed to do it. Um, but obviously, it you know it happens, and there, that's you know many people love the place, so they want to. Sure. Be you want that to be their final resting place, but it's definitely frowned upon. Yeah. This next one is very cool because I don't know that the theme parks that I attended as a kid ever did this. <laughs> and that's the um, Splash Mountain. They drain the Splash um, Mountain water every single night and put it through a filtering system and it also allows them to clean the ride obviously um but it's just i found this amazing it's 965,000 gallons of water that that they flow through that system and according to um, Walt Disney World Magic the entire ride can be drained in about 5 minutes and refilled in 20 minutes Holy smokes. Right. That's so they incredible. could drain 965,000 gallons in five minutes. Yeah. Wow. So they must just have one big cork in that thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it circles the drain really fast. Exactly. Oh. So that, that one was interesting because I know that on other similar rides at, um, I would go to the water would sometimes be have a stench to it because it was stagnant just because it never, it just was within that closed system. And, and people are not very, I don't know. Again, this is something that Disney, you don't see at Disney, but at these other parks, people are pretty disgusting and they will put gum and you walk and you're like, Oh my God, there's just walls of gum. And it's just like, ugh. and then they, um, the other trash would just be floating. You would, you just don't see that at Disney where people litter in, in the cups are floating in the water of Splash Mountain. I mean, occasionally you may, I mean, I'm not saying you'll never see that because people are people, but Disney's going to clean it up before most people are going to see it um and again that's just something that i really find fascinating uh, about how disney ensures um their park stays clean the other thing the the one other thing that they do is every night main street is power washed and some of the buildings as well and the thought process of that is just they want everybody's experience to be a brand new 
day at Disney, that, that it's the opening day and that you get to experience it. And I'll say there's never been a time that I've walked into Disney and Main Street not feel just brand new and, and beautiful. So, Yeah, I know um, you guys know my father-in-law is a cast member. Uh, he works at uh, Expedition Everest and he every every day the entire track gets walked and not just for safety inspections but also to pick up debris and things hats and stuff that you know flies off on right. the ground so um you know even in areas that aren't seen like you can't see most of the time you can't see the bottom of the tracks or whatever you know rock and roll coaster probably the same thing but even in areas that you don't see, they're picking up stuff every single day. So absolutely. And then this is no surprise. Um, Disney has some of the most beautiful flower gardens and trees. And those are manicured and dead flowers are replaced. And tree, even trees are replaced if they die. And manicured on a daily basis. So that was not a surprise. And, and honestly, I think, Almost every theme park does that. I know the theme parks that here in Ohio, or not here in Ohio, but when I was growing up in Ohio, had some of them, they just would always be beautiful and, and full bloom. So that was not a surprise, but I still think Disney does some of the best sculpturing and, and looks that I've seen through the years. Um. Another thing that they they do to ensure cleanliness is if they can't clean it, they keep paint available. And so they touch up and paint every single night all over the park. Um, this is a fun fact that they threw in here that Disney has two special formulated paint colors. One's called Go Away Green. And the other is called No See Gray. And it tricks guests into not seeing things like fences, utility buildings, and other eyesores. And I found that very interesting. And now it makes me want to keep my eyes peeled for some of these things. And, and as I, my first visit to Disney, I don't remember ever seeing anything that would even give me a glimpse to um, an outside area of the park. Since then, um, there's been, I you can catch areas where it's, you can tell that it's designed to be um, camouflaged, but it, you can tell that it's, it's the area that they're gonna go to do something. And, and so they paint, use this paint, though on fences and stuff to make it blend into the other areas so i thought that was very interesting i've heard of go away green i've i've heard that term before what was the other one the no cm gray no cm gray that's hilarious <laughs> i've never heard that one um obviously i mean if you look at the fences in magic kingdom and stuff they're all that that green color i've yeah. heard go away green um i haven't heard that no cm gray i wonder I'm just trying to think off the top of my head what might be painted that gray color. I can't think of anything just off the top of my head that might be that color. I don't know. No, unless the only thing I was thinking is that if you can see in like, I know 
walking up to Disney Studios, you could see some uh, of the utility buildings and things. And those were gray. And maybe they paint them gray to make them just kind of blend into the skyline as a class. I don't know. But um, I, I will say that of all the parks, Disney Studios seem to be the least um, as you're walking up. When you're in it, you I think they're, everything's pretty concealed. But walking up to them or getting to them, sometimes you can see in the back lots and stuff. Well, if you remember, uh, you know, the the park was initially designed to be a, a movie studio. So sure. they weren't trying to hide that kind of stuff. You were supposed to see the, yeah. the you know, the, the buildings and stuff. And it was supposed to be a, a working movie studio. So I, although they don't follow that anymore, it, it still makes sense that that's why it looked that way. Because they weren't, it wasn't supposed to be, you know, the Magic Kingdom. I mean, if you think about like the Haunted Mansion is a, it, the, what you see is a teensy tiny, you know, it's a mansion. But if you see an overhead view of the Honda Mansion, if you see the, oh, it's the show building, yeah, it's it's like the size of a football field almost. Yeah. It's gigantic. So they really do a lot to conceal that kind of stuff in Magic Kingdom. They weren't trying that really at um, at the studios initially. Now, obviously, Galactic or not at the Galaxy's Edge. Um, you know, you, you don't see all that. You, you look like you're walking into, you know, a small headquarters or whatever when you're getting on Smuggler's Run and stuff. But the show buildings are much larger behind it. Uh, but initially, the studios, they weren't trying to do that. We'll say that I forget where we were, but we were somewhere walking. And when you're in Galaxy's Edge, it looks like that mountain is just one full mountain. Wherever we were, it was the oddest thing because you could see this steel pole sticking up from the ground. And then on top of it was the top of a mountain that was just because you that's all you're going to see from looking that perspective. It was very interesting how they did that. Absolutely. And kind of fun. I, that again, maybe that's still kind of sticking to that the the theme of no. you know being a movie or whatever because they only build what the eye can see it's almost yeah. like a facade on what used to be new york street or whatever you know yeah. you they only build out what you can see but, but that I, may be where they use some of that no seam gray because it seems like those were gray man, a lot of that was gray that's a good point you're probably right you're probably right and Ron, you're making me think about the fact that even though some of these places have rides that go back 30 years, you never really get that sense because of the upkeep, because they keep everything looking so clean and fresh and repainted that uh, you don't think about the fact that these, this building has actually been standing there forever. By yeah, now, you would think it years, should be dude. dilapidating and falling right. and, you know, and peeling, but they don't let that happen. And, and it's like when I when you go to other theme parks, you know how wood can yeah wear, wear down, and they just throw sure. more paint on it, and you can see the. I, I mean, I, if I'm honest, you can see a little bit more of that at Disney as time goes on, um, but not to the degree that you see it at other theme parks. Sure. They just do an incredible job. They do of keeping it clean and fresh. Yeah, and fresh, and. Um, the other, so Dewey, I know that your title today says future 
Walt Disney cast member, you can know that you could put future Walt Disney trash collector because every cast member is responsible for picking up trash if they see it. They, they are not allowed to walk by trash and let think to themselves, oh, somebody else will get that. Um, it's your responsibility as a cast member to make sure to pick up trash if you see it. That's okay because I, uh, as a member of the military, we, we're pretty much told to do the same thing. If you see trash on the, on the base somewhere, Right. You're not supposed to walk by it. You're supposed to pick it up. So I've, cool. I've, I've already got that in me, Ron. I'll be there fine. You go. with you. <laughs> You've been trained well for your future position. Um, the next two are, which are not surprises there, but um, well, one's a surprise. One was not. There's two things that Disney will not sell in the parks. I'm sure you guys know the first one. Which is bubble gum, bubble gum, or any type of gum. Yes. Um, what's the second? Ooh, so chewing gum is the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, cigarettes, no, but they don't. At least I've not seen them sell cigarettes anywhere. Um, I is is it straws? No, okay, then yes, you this one, yeah, this one surprised me. Peanuts. Oh, because of allergies. Well, that in the shells that they create from, from, so the, this is specifically about the shells that they don't sell peanuts that you have to crack the shells for. And because and mm-hmm. people don't care where they put peanut shells because they're bio, biodegradable, right? So, so Disney's not going for that Texas Roadhouse feel no, on the floor no, yeah. of the Magic Kingdom. <laughs> or five guys. <laughs> Yes, then, yes. So the in the you guys know this, but the concept is that if they don't sell gum, they're not adding to that disgusting why people feel the need to put gum instead of a trash can on a wall or smear it. I mean, so they're still they still go around with their little scrapers and scraping gum when they when needed, but they try to keep that down to a minimum by not selling it you just reminding me can i tell you something really quick that that was that happened to me recently i was i was doing a survey for work in the field and i passed by this guy who was on the floor i i noticed when i looked at the ground there was a, a whole bunch of different a whole bunch of different uh, numbers on the floor and this guy comes over to me and says see all those spots those are gum spots and i number them so that because they all indicate that life happened on this street and that this this spot is from 1940 whatever and this one's from like he was putting the years on the gum spots that were there he's probably run out of what was he using paint or how did he how did he, he had a marker leave? he had a marker. marker yeah he's probably run out of markers i guess <laughs> it was weird it was really strange interesting that's very interesting um strange, next it's a strange as a strange hobby <laughs> sorry ryan go ahead no you're fine um the other thing that this that i recently that this included was it's someone's job to replace and repair 
800 umbrellas, 25,000 chairs, and 7,000 tables that are throughout the parks. And their only job is to go each day and inspect and make sure and repair anything that's out of the ordinary. That's great, though, because it right? does, you never even think about that. But that is so true because you never do see something like that in, in disrepair when you go to the park. Right. So no wobbly stools, right, right? Right, that are off off balance or whatever. So you can pretty much be sure that if you're going to sit down in a chair, it's not going to be broken, which is really really cool. Yeah, if, um, if you just take a picture of yourself twenty from twenty years ago and compare it to one from now in the same spot, it probably would look just as clean. Yeah. Um, in order to keep the properties clean, Disneyland and Disney World go through about get this 700,000 gallons of bleach every year. <laughs> Holy smokes. Isn't that crazy? I thought that was interesting. I um, think that's what they fill the, the Splash Mountain with. It's that, right? it's that bleach. <laughs> <laughs> and then while they only they have to use obviously harsh chemicals uh, sometimes they have come up with this was disgusting again people are just disgusting um yes would spit on the backlighted mesh screens ghost or indiana jones adventure you know how they create people would spit on that and disney had to come up with its own special product to clean saliva since Traditional part products would have been too harsh to clean the screens. With. What were they spitting on? Just spitting on the screens. You know how you see ghosts and they superimpose it's on to a screen that you can see through. And so people would spit on it. You mean in so the you're talking mansion? about like the Pepper's ghost effect? Yeah. That's on. disgusting. What's wrong with people? <laughs> exactly. And so they had to come up with a way to clean it so it wouldn't ruin the the that's effect. awful well if you think about it you know the haunted mansion is supposed to look old and cobwebby and stuff and it's you it's not going to follow that theme if it smells like cleaning products and yeah there, right? right yeah so you can't have the haunted mansion smelling clean that doesn't make sense it's got to it smell finally haunted. the finally <laughs> the reason that disney um, works so hard to make sure that the park looks clean and is clean is because studies show that if an environment is clean, people in it are happy. And alternatively, when an environment is dirty, the people in, in it are unhappy. So if you consider your theme park the happiest place on earth, you're going to do whatever it takes to keep things clean and guests happy. And this was Walt Disney's mentality that he has famously wanted Disneyland so clean that guests would be embarrassed to dirty it. And I think they do a really good job. They absolutely do. If, oh, they I definitely do. Yeah. Absolutely. So um, I'm glad that they do that job and I'm glad that um, it's clean enough that we notice and want to learn how they do their tricks to keep it clean. So that was a, it was fun for me to do that research. 
Yeah, that's pretty good stuff. I know, Ron, before we uh, before we started the show today, you and I were chit-chatting about, is it the same level as we've seen in the past? Because, you know, we've been going uh, for decades. Your first time was 76. My first time was in the 80s. So we were talking about, do we think it's still as clean as it was uh, as, as we were growing up and our, from our childhood memories? And you and I both said that, no, we don't think it's as clean. But then we got to talking about, but why? And I, I don't think that it's a product of their standards getting lower. Uh, and we just talked about a couple of things. Uh, one, and we've, I think we decided it's probably 50-50 on why that's happened. Because you do see a little more trash now than you would have 20 years ago. And you and I, like, like I said, you and I were talking and while it, we think it might be a product of uh, a little bit of changing shifts or a shift in uh, their philosophies while they're not still strictly on that, what would Walt do kind of philosophy. Uh, you know, I think uh, Michael Eisner kept up with a lot of that you know, doing it the way Walt would do it as far as the Disney way. And maybe not so much uh, Iger and Chapek are doing that. Um, your budget cuts, they, they pull back on hiring cleaning staff so they can, you know, save money on the bottom line. And I think that's responsible for part of it. But like you and I talked about, we talked about the crowds and that honestly, it's harder to maintain that level of cleanliness when 20 years ago, you might have had 25,000 people in the park on a daily basis. But now you've got 50 or 60,000 people in the park on a daily basis. And, you know, and, and I'm just throwing out numbers. I don't know the car, park capacities off the top of my head. But when you're doubling or tripling or whatever the number of guests every day, not to mention that there's never a, a slow or an off-peak time anymore like there used to be 20 years ago, that it's harder to maintain that level of cleanliness when the, the number of people creating more trash and, and, and all of that is doubled or tripled uh, on a daily basis. So uh, I, I do think it's you do see trash unfortunately on the ground or something more often than you would have 20 years ago. I think it's, it's not entirely Disney's fault. I just think it's a numbers game and they're, they're doing the, the very best they can to keep up. And when you compare a Disney park to a, a six flags or, you know, something else of the like, you can definitely see that Disney does a no offense to those other parks. But Disney does a better job of upkeep and and maintenance and, and cleanliness for sure. Yeah, no, like I said when we were talking offline, uh, by no means are the other parks dirty. They just don't take the effort to like Disney does to ensure. Because when you walk into these other parks, the opening where you walk in, it's very pristine and, and very nice, but it's just, but then as you go into the park, 
you start seeing more garbage and more less kept and things of that. And like I said, you, there's walls where people have put gum that have been there for years and, (laughs) and it's just disgusting. But anyway, um, all that just to say that I think Disney has done an incredible job and it's old. It's, it's 50 years old. And, and so there's times that things are just harder. I think we discussed this a little bit too, is once things start getting older, they're harder to maintain that look of fresh and new though. Disney does a really good job of it over the last few years. I've seen less upkeep. I I would agree with that also. And again, I think that's a, uh, in part due to the, that 50-50 split that we talked about. A little bit of changing uh, philosophies, but also just the enormous numbers of people walking through those those gates every day. So that was awesome, Ron. That was a good uh, a good look at uh, what we are calling the, the magic of Disney clean, right? That's, nobody else does it quite like Disney does. All right. That was a great segment. Thanks, guys, for uh, having that discussion with us. Thanks, Ron, for leading that. All right. So let's switch on over to our next segment. Uh, This is what we call What's Happening Now in Walt Disney World. So this week on March 1st of 2022, the big reveal, the big Star Wars Galactic Star Cruiser, the Halcyon, will take its official maiden voyage from the Walt Disney World Resort. Over the past week, Disney has held several opportunities for media and folks like that to take a voyage, and many of those articles and videos have been posted online. And quite honestly, uh, it looks pretty spectacular. The uh, Everything that I've seen, the videos, and I've read a couple articles and stuff, and it's getting a lot of rave reviews, at least from you know those media folks that are getting a chance to see it and experience some of, uh, some of what's going to be going on. And uh, so we thought we'd talk about that for a few minutes. So, Tony, I know you and I talked about it for a couple of minutes uh, offline this morning. And uh, Ron, I don't know if you've had a chance to look at any of those videos or anything with the I know you're not the gigantic Star Wars nerd that that uh, Tony and I are. You're more of the the casual Star Wars fan. But uh, have you had a chance to take a look at the. Any of the, the galaxy or the galaxy? No, but as we were talking, um, I definitely have interest in seeing it. I, I don't have pockets that deep to be able to um, go enjoy a, an inclusive um, um, experience, though I think it's – I hope that it's kind of a new theme and that as more and more come about – that the price will come down so that the average um, consumer can enjoy that. But um, I'm very intrigued by it and anxious to hear reviews by people that do take advantage of it. I tell you, the videos look pretty awesome. Uh, Tony, what do you think? Yeah, I know you and I talked about it a little bit this morning, but let's talk about it for a second or two uh, here with our audience. And, and what, what were your takes Sure. I, I mentioned at the start of the show that I've got my little piggy banks here. I mean, I'm half joking, but, you know, to, to be serious, back in the day, this is what I used to do to save up to go buy Star Wars stuff, believe it or not. So 
Um, who knows if I fill it up with enough, then I don't have to be feel guilty about how much we're spending. Um, I, it definitely, when I had heard about this, obviously my interest is big in it, but it was sort of from a distance. I didn't really, um, think it was something that I would be that crazy about. But when I saw the visuals start to pop in and I watched some of the experiences that other vloggers, uh, had put up, I was just completely taken away. My, my jaw was, was dropping especially when i saw the i thought the room looked really cool and the um the experiences that you get to do on there it, it's almost like a non-stop little adventure that keeps going on um i will admit some of it looks a little bit corny and hokey but that's disney for you it, it it's expected sure. but it uh I don't know. I, I think I think it'll be something that that people going forward, if they go in there with the with the mind of I'm just going to have an adventure in the Star Wars world, I'm going to have a good time. And uh, they really went out of their way to make this something really super special. Look, honest, honestly, to me, the I was a little skeptical. I think uh, after seeing, I watched. Um, what did you recommended the site to me, Tony? What was it? Outsider? Oh, ordinary, ordinary Adventures. Ordinary Adventures. So uh, kudos to those guys for uh, the videos. I watched I watched an hour-long video on their adventures of um, their, their time there on the Galactic Star Cruiser. And being skeptical, when, when I saw that video, I was like, all right, you know, this is actually pretty cool. Um, the... What's cool about it is, is that you can participate in as much or as little as you want. And yeah. you might go do something and be like, eh, it's time for a nap and go back to your room. But the whole ship is still active. And, you know, exactly. And, You'll feel like you're missing out if you do that. Yeah. And, and, you know, you might your naps over. Let's go. And when you go back in, like you're you're walking out into an an active, you know, adventures are happening all around you kind of event you know experience and, and I, that really just kind of struck me it's like wow this is I, I i look it's ron you said you said you have deep pockets i have deep pockets too unfortunately mine are empty um, <laughs> i said i don't have deep pockets. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> i do i have very deep pockets it goes like mid mid arm uh, unfortunately, I have more empty. little banks. So I have more little <laughs> banks. Yeah. Yeah, send uh, me one of those empty banks. I'll save my <laughs> pennies too. Honestly, hey, let me was, ask you a question though. This yes. is interesting to me. So, cause I've been on a cruise, right. Mm -hmm. And a cruise is very immersive into that experience, not around yeah. the theme, but just in vacation mode. Right. And so what I'm hearing you guys say is basically that you go on a ship. It will, and that you experience Star Wars. Star Wars is all around you. I'm assuming anybody that you interact, interact with from a cast member perspective is a Star Wars character or at least a, another character that you've never seen on the movie, but they all are playing the part that they're on this starship and you're in space and so there's different activities you can choose to do and things that you can choose not to do. Is that what I'm hearing? Sort, sort of. Yeah. yeah. And I thought about you when I was watching this because I remember how much you were looking forward to Space 220. And Disney always takes something from one place that they're developing it and then brings it a little bit 
further. What they've done in some of uh, for the cabins in this room, actually all of the cabins in this room have this kind of a portal window where there's constant view of space and where you're headed. And as the ship moves through places, you see the outside, the uh, the planets outside correspond to what you're doing. If you, uh, I was watching somebody's uh, so many videos yesterday. I was I was enjoying watching this. Um, uh, there's a, a uh, an eatery that looks just like space 220 with the giant windows and outside there are things that are going on out there and if you stand at a certain angle if your room is over here that's the view that you're going to be seeing as if you were really in space and and that's the side you're at yeah they've really done a, a beautiful job of of trying to immerse the audience in that and i will also say another thing um I was watching one video that was about two and a half hours long. It was by the Diz Unplugged. And on that one, my wife and I were watching it for about an hour and a half. And after a while, I kind of forgot that they were not in space. I literally was thinking to myself, oh, I wonder if they're, you know, how long it's going to be before they get home because they've been in space for this entire time. And meanwhile, no, they weren't. And that was just the video of them. You know, they were just in this in this stationary place in the middle of Walt Disney World. So they've, they've done a good job of creating that. And as far as being immersed by Star Wars characters, they don't shove that in your face too much. It's more just certain characters that you will interact with if you're in the hallway that will um, help lead you through a story. Like they'll, someone will say, hey, help me get to this access panel or some or the guy who brings you your luggage into the room also happens to be one of the players in this kind of like a role-playing thing that they're doing. Um, it's kind of like a, a play that they're doing and you're part of it. So that's really what it comes down to. So is there any motion built in or is it pretty stable and it's just... Assumed? I think it's stable. I think they do have the sound effects going on. A couple of people mentioned um, that there are fire uh, alarms going by as you try to speak. But... <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, <laughs> a, a couple of people mentioned that uh, they that when the ship goes into hyperspace, that they felt they thought it was going to be more of a jolt. Or um, I think wherever possible, they try to simulate that, but it's it's hard to do on a, on a, such a, a yeah, grand sure, scale. Yeah. And, and I saw a lot of people also doing. You, you and I were, were discussing this earlier too about how about the music that's involved like some people complain that why is there line dancing in space or why is there bingo in space and the whole idea i think behind that is to give people who aren't into this stuff something to do you know that way you know you could go off on your adventure but grandma who knows nothing about star wars could go and go line dancing if she wants to but it's also like Ron said, he, he said it, you're kind of describing a cruise to me. Yes. And they very much do make it like Simulating. a cruise. Like they have the, you know, the staggered meal times and yes. you go with your group and there's a, there's a lounge and there's a singer and stuff. And, and it is very much like a cruise and there are activities that you can choose to participate in or not participate in. And right. so it, it is very much like a cruise and only, you're in space instead of on the ocean. Exactly. So they definitely play it like that. And it's, it's, uh, and did you, hey, I know Ron, you didn't watch video. Uh, Tony, did you see the climate simulator? Oh yeah. <laughs> I thought that, I, look, I thought, Hysterical. <laughs> I thought that was kind of genius though. Yeah. <laughs> so Ron, so I'll explain what a climate simulator is to you. So 
you're in space, right? Right. So um, they have this, this thing called a climate simulator. And what it is, is that it's this holographic room that you go into that simulates the great outdoors. And it makes you feel like you're on a planet. In reality, what it is, is you walk out a door and you're in a courtyard in the center of this hotel. Yeah. So there's it's like <laughs> some trees and there's a, you know, you can see the stars. And there's there's a, what, whatever the weather is on Batu, that's the weather it is in this simulation. That's correct. They're simulating the current weather on Batu. So, <laughs> you know, I thought that was pretty genius, you know, because yeah. I can understand, you know, I, cruise ships are huge, but there, there is a, a, a small group of people that get claustrophobic or oh yeah oh yeah trapped you know so i can see how if you're in this building for 48 hours you might feel like oh my god let me out of here so all you got to do is go to the climate simulator and you can feel like you're outdoors Uh, i thought that was like a stroke of genius you know i thought that was really cool that is that's actually really cool how they so that you can stay in that mindset if you're really wanting to stay in that mindset. I'm in space in that yet have an opportunity to get a little bit of fresh air. A little bit of fresh air. Absolutely. And I thought that was pretty neat. So it, I was, I wouldn't say, I, I wouldn't say I was like a hater for this thing. I was, I was a little skeptical after seeing the videos my only complaint now is probably the price tag. Yeah. It, it just seems outlandish to sure. me. It seems like. And don't get me wrong, even though I, I would love to do this and I'm joking about doing it, the price is, is out of my range as well. It's like, Oh, for sure. Yeah. For sure. So. Well, I have. For $6,000, though, honestly, Disney has never backed down from prices. Yeah. Their, their cruises are literally double the price yes. of any other cruise. Mm-hmm. And. And they make no apology for it, and they've never come down from that. And I've been on two different types of cruises. I've been on a on a, on a Royal Caribbean, and a, and a can't remember what the other line was, as well as Disney. And I see why the difference in the price. I mean, the Disney. Oh Disney well, that's cool to know. Yeah. So you would say that Disney definitely you get your money's worth by going to Disney or not? Well, you used to. Yeah, you did, and. Um, you felt the difference, uh, at cool. least we did. And even as far as just the size of the cabin um, was was enough to make us feel, um, you know, that was worth That's interesting. Part. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. So I'm no longer a naysayer for the, uh, the Galactic Star Cruiser. I'm no longer a negative Nancy or a negative Nelly or whatever <laughs> end name, negative Nick, whatever. Um, if it were... 1500 bucks i'd probably be booking it right now yeah but you know or you know in 1500 bucks a person maybe yes you know maybe but 6k well well, it's kind of what it comes out to it depends it it actually comes out to about two twenty five hundred dollars a person roughly right yeah and i mean when you're talking that much for a four-year-old or something they don't even they don't even differentiate by age they're like humans cost this much you know know. and you know it's a little much for me although i will say really quickly as you and i had been discussing earlier uh that uh, i had seen another show about a a, um a resort that had 
cabanas for rent on the beach. And those cabanas just to, to rent for a couple of hours while you're on the beach were $1,000 each. And that's just for a couple of hours. And the same with Broadway shows. At one point, you could see a Broadway show like The Producers or Hamilton or some of those. That was $800 a seat. So the price point is, is always up for dispute. I guess if, if, you can, if you can manage it and not worry about it, then that's great. And if you can't, we sit here and we go, well, that would be nice, but we can't. Well, Tony, I also cannot afford to see Hamilton on the beach. In <laughs> I, I can't afford that either. So add that to the list of things I can't do right now. So, but it's, it was fun to watch those videos and, um, you know, it was fun to talk about and maybe someday, uh, maybe I have a rich uncle that I don't know about and there you go. He'll die and I'll be rich and, and we'll go. <laughs> but, uh, none of my uncles are rich, so it must be, it's going to have to be someone I've never met. So, all right. That was fun. Yeah. It looks great. So, um, you know, maybe somebody somebody can. Hey, if one of our, I'd love to if we have a listener that actually goes and enjoys it. I'd love. Oh yeah. To see, get their review, and even maybe possibly invite them to talk about it. Absolutely. Yes. Right. Yeah, hey, if you, and even uh, if you don't enjoy it, whichever way, would love to yeah, hear what the absolutely. real reaction is from people who pay to go on the ship. Or if you need a personal assistant to go with you on your voyage, I will gladly carry your suitcase. Just call me. I'll go with you. I will polish your shoes, whatever you need. And you guys are pretty tall. I was watching two videos that said that they fit that the the uh, the side little um, I don't know what you call those things little hovels where you almost can sleep like in. bunks, right? They're the in bunks, the wall. right? Yeah. They fit people up to about six five. So I guess I think you guys huh. are good. I'm six two, so yeah. I'm in. Sweet. I'll take a bump. <laughs> All right. That was fun, guys. Thanks. All right. So last segment for the day, let's switch on over to a little something we like to call what's your favorite. Each week, one of our hosts brings with them a question to ask the other two guys. Those two hosts don't know the questions ahead of recording, and they must answer those questions on the spot. This week on What's Your Favorite, in keeping with the Star Wars theme from the What's Happening Now in Walt Disney World segment, I ask each of you, which Star Wars trilogy do you prefer? Is it the original trilogy episodes, 4, 5, and 6, A New Hope, The Empire Strikes Back, and Return of the Jedi? Is it the prequel trilogy episodes 1, 2, and 3, The Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones, and Revenge of the Sith? Or do you prefer the sequel trilogy, episodes 7, 8, and 9, which is, of course, The Force Awakens, The Last Jedi, and The Rise of Skywalker? So, fellas, I ask you, of all three Star Wars trilogies, what is your favorite? Ron, you go first. Okay. This is actually pretty easy for me. I enjoy all of the Star Wars. I do. Um, they're, I'm not as committed to the series as you guys are. Um, but you mean you don't have a custom designed lightsaber sitting on your <laughs> desk, uh, in front of you right now? I, I don't like this one I'm holding in my hand. So, here's and this is why we're gonna why my favorite is the original because I did have back in the day the action play figures and I did have sheets and pillowcases with Star Wars on them, and I did have uh, I Loved RDD, RDD2. 
It's been <laughs> every time I try, I just need to just let it roll and it will be fine. But anyway, um, uh, anyway, <laughs> the, the, my vote is the original. Either you just can't, it, it was breaking back in the day of how they were able to, you didn't have any computer generated um, effects and, and you guys have listened to me enough on this podcast, or at least if you've been listening, I, some of what I love about Disney in of itself is the um, breaking edge of technology that they would do to develop. And this is one of those situations where Star Trek was, Trek was, um, I'm sorry, Star Wars. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Captain Kirk. I like yeah. Captain Kirk. <laughs> Star Wars were, was, you know, and just, on that edge so original is my vote i'll leave all right and this is probably going to be easy for all of us but uh i just find it interesting because i have this i have this discussion argument whatever uh with my students all the time and theirs theirs is different than mine and i'll explain that in a second so tony your your turn Wow, I would love to hear what your students say because that yeah, probably goes along with, with what I think they would say. But um, I have made it no secret. I've been a big life, uh, you could say lifelong, even though I was 12, fan of the uh, of Star Wars forever. And I would have to say it, have, it would have to be the original trilogy only because that's the one that I grew up with. I love the other two in many different ways. Um, having been, you know, I, I, there's nothing really you could say about the first three. They were, they were, uh, groundbreaking as Ron said, and they were, they caught the imagination. And, and if it weren't for the first one, we wouldn't have had any of this. Um, this, the prequels I've, I also enjoyed because they had, uh, new versions of George's vision and explained a lot of backstory and introduced us to whole new worlds that are one thing I find interesting about watching the prequels now, in fact, we were, we were going to watch episode two tonight, uh, is that um, now that we know so much about the Jedi and what that's all about, you see those movies with a complete different eye than you did back in, in 2002 and 1999. Back then, we didn't really know what was going on. It was kind of felt like it was being made up as it went along. Now we know so much. There's so much history over the past 20 years that that those movies take on their own new life. But if I were to pick, a, and and the sequels, I have to say, I love them as well. Uh, I'll never forget the day I went to go see Force Awakens, the excitement behind seeing that movie and, and following it through, and The Last Jedi as well. I, I, I sat down watching The Last Jedi, and my heart was pounding when I got it home for video, even though I'd seen it in the movies four or five times. So, um, But the original trilogy has a special place in my heart, and... So it would be uh, it would be that one. If I if I could do this differently, I would say perhaps one from each. But but we're we're picking just utilities. <laughs> uh, and yet, look, come on now. Anybody that says anything besides the original trilogy is a lunatic. <laughs> I mean, seriously, anybody. Well, that there's says, kids who never saw it that, who saw it differently, who saw it from that from the, another period. Yes, on. my son happens to be one of them. My. Uh, you know, the prequels came out in 99, 99. Or, or Phantom Menace came out in 99. So 99, 2001 was Attack of the Clones and 2003 was um, Revenge of the Sith. 
my son was born in 2003. So he grew up, you know, of course, they when they came out on DVD or whatever, I bought them. So he grew up with the prequels, uh, prequels, prequel trilogy. Right. And that's his favorite. You know, he remembers going to Toys R Us and getting that new Anakin Skywalker figure oh, yeah. or, or going, you know, um, you know, that kind of stuff. That's what he remembers. His childhood was the prequels. So that's his favorite, you know, and, you know, this is America. So he has the right to be wrong if he wants to be. Um, <laughs> and, and that's what I tell my, my cadets all the time. You know, I, I'm a retired uh, sergeant, so they call me Sarge. It's not Mr. Carlton. I, I, they call me Sarge. So whenever they disagree with me, I always tell them, look, y'all, this is America. You're free to do whatever you wanted. You can have your own opinion. I'm cool with that. It, you can either agree with Sarge or you can be wrong. That's your choice. <laughs> and, you know, or they're har, har, har. Um, but, you know, so it, this generation prefers really prefers the uh, the prequels because that's the ones that they grew up with much like we grew up with the you know the original trilogy so i i think though dewey in the same way um which of the movies which of the original movies is your favorite movie i think i know what you're gonna say too it depends on what day it is um 99 of the time i say the empire strikes back okay but yeah, that was that was very big very very big sometimes choice. it's return of the jedi like yeah it doesn't uh, get much better than luke skywalker in his black suit with the with the green lightsaber like when, when i see that i'm like oh that's so cool you know it doesn't get much better than that but and i found that across generations like ron and i are from the the time when the movie first opened and we the first movie for me is the greatest movie of all of them but then people who are your age um love return of the jedi i mean totally love and then the people in the middle uh, i have a nephew his favorite is the empire strikes back so i wow. think where, whenever you hit that spot is is when that movie becomes your favorite one you you know you're probably right it's like that sweet spot cuz i was i was only 3 when when a new hope came out uh you know so that put me at i was around 7 or so when mm -hmm. empire came out and almost 10 when when Return of the Jedi came out. So that was the sweet spot for me. I was old enough to watch them and get what was going on and everything, you know. So um, but when I was a kid, there was nothing like that ever. You know, yeah. I remember I think I've made this joke before, but I literally when I went to the when I, I first heard about Star Wars through a comic book and I looked at the comic book and I said, well, this looks nice, but there's no way they're going to they're going to have effects as good as the ones in Disney. As good as the ones in Escape to Witch Mountain. I mean, that's those are the state of oh, the wow. effects. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I find that interesting. It, it really is. It's about your childhood. And the, you know, my students are all about the age of having, you know, if they're Star Wars fans at all, then they grew up with the prequels. So that's um, in 20 years, we may have people say the, the sequel trilogy, which is absolutely their favorite, so. that's going to happen. Yeah. They'll be wrong too, but that's that right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So thanks for playing along with me today, fellas, on what's your favorite. And that just about does it for this episode of the WDW Reflections podcast. Please find and follow us on all of our social media. We can be found on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at WDW Reflections Podcast. 
And you can find us on Twitter at WDW Reflections. This podcast can currently be found and played on many podcast platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Overcast. If you love the show, please leave us some feedback on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. Those positive feedbacks help the show reach a larger audience and helps us grow. And don't forget, you can always message us from any of those social media accounts, or you can email us at wdwreflectionspodcast at gmail.com. Send us questions, comments, requests for trip tips, ideas for future podcast topics, or anything else that you might think of, because we'd love to hear from you. And please keep coming back, because we truly appreciate you guys listening to us. Thanks for reflecting on Walt Disney World memories with us on the WDW Reflections Podcast. See you real soon.